This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. to gather here and we see this in the church of Thessalonica because there's a difference between people going to church and people who are a part of the church. Going to church is not the same as being a part of the church. You go to the theaters, you go to the mall, you go to a diner, you go to amusement park, you go to the museum. But in the church, if you're a part of Christ, you are a part of the church. And what does that mean? Because we love our brothers, we serve, we minister as they did in Thessalonica. When you read about the early church in the New Testament, do you see any differences between then and now? In the book of Acts, the early church was portrayed as much more of a community where they were very involved in each other's lives. In today's message, Pastor Eddie will be sharing about the difference between going to church and being part of the church. Do you just attend church, or are you active in the lives of its members? Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of Hebrews chapter 13. As he begins his message... Concluding Exhortations. Hebrews chapter 13. Let us go before the Lord in prayer once again. Heavenly Father, we... We thank you, Lord, that we're able to gather as the family, brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, we are grateful for friends and we're grateful for new faces. Uh, Lord, we just ask that your Holy Spirit would do what it does best. To be our teacher this morning, we, we pray the Holy Spirit who inspired the writer of Hebrews to write this letter to be our teacher. May we separate ourselves, Lord. We want to hear from you. So we ask, Lord Father, that you would um, open up our eyes that we may see, our ears to hear, our minds to understand, and our hearts ready to receive what your word has for us. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now that brings us to the last chapter of the book of Hebrews. Chapter 13 is the final chapter. And in this particular section, the writer closes out his letter. As he closes out his letter, giving us the theme that Jesus is better than the angels. He's better than Moses. He's better than the prophets. He's a better covenant. He's a better promise. And all these things, because of those things, he gives us now some the practical section. And he's going to give us now a series of exhortations. A series of exhortations. And that's in verses 1 through 6. So let us read the passage, verses 1 through 6, and then we'll look at these verses individually. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 1. The writer of Hebrews write this, Let brotherly love continue. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing some have unwittingly entertained angels. Remember the prisoners as if chained with them, those who are mistreated, since you yourself are in the body also. Marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled. But fornicators and adulterers God will judge. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What 
can man do to me? Now, as you know, as we, when we accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and personal Savior, we have been born again, born again. And when we were born again, we were given the right to become children of God. In John chapter 1, verse 12, John writes this. He writes, but as many as received him, Christ, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. Now, we have been given the right as sons and daughters of God. But with that right comes responsibility. With that right comes responsibility. As children of God, we have the responsibilities to not only to the Lord, but to others. And so for those of you who are taking notes, the, the right of he was going to give us some exhortation. We look at six exhortations in verses one through six. Six exhortations that would encourage us to help us carry out our duties and responsibilities as we follow Jesus Christ and serve one another. So we read the text. Let us now look at it verse by verse. The first exhortation is brotherly love. Let's look at verse one. The writer writes this. Let brotherly love continue. Let brotherly love continue. Now, the word love here is the Greek word Philadelphia, but it is really a love. And it's mentioned six times in the New Testament, and it means brotherly love. That's what it means, brotherly love. It is really a compound word. It's a compound word. Philo, meaning to care for or to have affection kind of love. And a philo is brother or sister, referring to a sibling. So it's those that were born of the same womb, brother, you know, blood, brothers and sisters, right? Now, when we read this, obviously the writer of Hebrews, he's not referring to the brothers and sisters who were born of the same womb, but brothers and sisters have been born again, born of the same spirit through Christ Jesus. And because we've been born again, all of us have become the family of God. And as believers in Christ, we are children of God, we are family, and the scripture tells us to love one another. We see that throughout the scripture. Love one another. What is Jesus' greatest command? It is to love one another. It's a command. It's not a suggestion. Jesus didn't say try to love. I know many of us, there's some you just want to try to love. But we're to love all people, right? Now Jesus is telling us to love. It's a new commandment. Jesus said in John chapter 13, verses 34 to 35, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, and here it is, as I have loved you. How much has Christ loves you? Death on the cross. That's what makes this commandment new. It makes it fresh. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all who know that you are my disciple, if you have love for one another. Now, when we look at the whole book entirety, we can know that the, the first readers of the book of Hebrews did not have a problem with brotherly love. They didn't have a problem with love. They loved one another. How do you know that? Well, if you've been with us, when we look back in chapter 6, verse 10, the writer of Hebrews already described their love. It says this, For God is not unjust to forget your works and labor of love, which you have shown towards his name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. So they didn't have a problem with brotherly love. And so they already had the phileo. They had that. And it was evident in their work and their labor and their ministry. So you may ask the question, so why the exhortation? They already have brotherly love. What is the exhortation if they already have it? Well, let's look at verse 1 again. It says, let brotherly love, and here's the key word, continue. Continue. 
the brotherly love that we have for one another, it's to continue. Now, sometimes, you know, I, be, I grew up in church. I've been around a lot of church circles, okay, since I was a kid. And there are those that, you know, you love as a brotherly love, they're like family. And then you know how some relationships do depart because one person was offended, this person said this, this person doesn't like this, I don't like Pastor Eddie because he's short, you know, all these things, you know. So all of a sudden it just, you know, there's no love, it's just they, they start departing their own ways. Nobody left because I was short, but anyway. But it wasn't a problem with the first read of the Hebrews, nor was it a problem with the church at Thessalonica. You remember what Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. He said, but concerning brotherly love, there it is, Philadelphia, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. He's quoting Jesus. And indeed, you do also towards all the brethren who are in all Macedonia. Here it is. This is almost exactly what the first writer of Hebrews is writing here. But... We urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more. So in the same way we see here in chapter 13, verse 1, this brotherly love must continue. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul says, let this brotherly love all that you do, but we urge you to increase more and more. The idea is not only just to have brotherly love, but it's that it will continue, that it will increase more and more. And that's important, especially in the body of Christ especially in the body of Christ. You see, to Christ, the church is more related than that of those who've been born of blood in the family, okay? It's always been the idea of God that those who've been born are family. You remember when Jesus was talking with the multitude and his disciples, that a man came out and said, hey, Jesus, your mother and your brothers are looking for you. They want to speak with you. What did Jesus say? He says, who are my mother, my brother, my father? He points to his disciples and all those that he was talking to. He said, here is my mother. Here is my brother. Here is. His family was his disciples. As a matter of fact, take it a step further. When Jesus was on the cross, right? Jesus said to his mother, woman, and that is not a bad term. That's a term of endearment. You would say, sir, to a father. He says, woman, behold thy son. Who was he talking to? John, his disciple, who was 18 years old at this time, he said, son, behold thy mother. Jesus had half-brothers, right? Okay? That were older than John. But Jesus Christ entrusted his disciple with his mother. Okay? The blood of Jesus that unites us, to, that makes us family, is much greater than the blood of man. And it's so important. And that's the idea. When we read scriptures, we must understand. Don't take that word brethren lightly. Don't take brother love lightly. It's important. This is why we gather. Okay? Can you imagine, you know, if you have a family reunion and nobody comes as one individual, a son, a daughter, or a cousin that does not come, how would you feel? That's how the Lord would feel. We need to gather here, and we see this in the church of Thessalonica, because there's a difference between people going to church and people who are a part of the church. Going to church is not the same as being a part of the church. You go to the theaters, you go to the mall, you go to a diner, you go to amusement park, you go to the museum. 
But in the church, if you're a part of Christ, you are a part of the church. And what does that mean? Because we love our brothers, we serve, we minister, as they did in Thessalonica. And so the first exhortation we see here in chapter 13 is the exhortation of brotherly love. Let us now look at the second exhortation, and that's entertaining strangers. Entertaining strangers. Look at the first line. Verse 2, it says, do not forget to entertain strangers. Okay. Now, in the time that this was written, almost 2,000 years ago, even before that, there were a few motels, okay? And the few that did exist didn't have a good reputation. They were filthy, dirty, and it was known for immorality, okay? So if you said you're going to a motel, nobody thought that, hey, you're just finding, looking for a place to stay. No, it had a bad reputation because that's all it was known for. But here, there are strangers, strange people. And when we think of the word strange, Understand here, it is not referring to someone who's odd, someone who's bizarre, someone who's weird. By definition, we're reading this in context, it is referring to someone that we do not know personally. We do not know personally. But who are these strangers that we're exhorting to take in and and entertain or show hospitality? Well, if we look at the word entertain in the Greek, I'm not going to try to pronounce that, but it says love to strangers. It's a love to strangers. Love to someone you don't know. Now, this love makes it this stranger, I think, a little bit different, even though we don't know them, but we are to love them. Why? Because in context, remember, the writer of Hebrews is a Hebrew writing to Hebrews, and he's writing to Hebrews who had found their newfound faith in Jesus Christ. And because they found Jesus to be the promised Mashiach, they were ostracized. They were suffering extreme persecution. He's encouraging those Christians, those new Jewish Christians who are looking for places to stay, and he's writing to, hey, don't forget to entertain strangers, meaning entertain your fellow brothers who have been cast away, who has been rejected by their family, that needs a place to stay. So if they knock on your door, you let them in. You entertain them. Let's read what Jesus said. Matthew chapter 25, verses 35 and 36. Jesus says, For when I was hungry, and you gave me food, I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then Jesus went on to say in verse 40, chapter 25, Or surely I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, there's the family, you did it to me. So it's pointing to those who are believers, entertained strangers. And so... He goes down at the very end, in the middle of verse 2, he says, For by so doing, some have unwittingly entertained angels. Now, I'm sure immediately the first readers of Hebrews, the first thing that came to mind when the writer said, you might be entertaining angels, the first thing that came to mind was Father Abraham. You remember in Genesis, back in Genesis chapter 18, when Jesus was a Christophany and two other angels appeared to Abraham when he was at the tent. And the Lord was looking to judge Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham, what did he do? He said, get the calf and get the milk. Okay, you know that's not kosher. <laughs> so he was, hey, it's cool. they dairy and milk. He prepared that and he offered it to them. So that's the first thing that comes to mind, but we also have Lot in chapter 19. We also have Gideon in chapter 6. 
but you never know who you might be entertaining. Uh, he say entertaining strangers, bringing them in. And the idea is to bring, give them room and board. Bring them in, room and board. That's foreign to most of us. A neighbor just knock on to you in the door. Hey, I'm a believer in Christ. I go to this church, blah, blah, blah. You need my resume, whatever it is. I need to come into your house. If they're a believer. Now, I know there's, we live in times where if we follow this, we might allow anybody in our home, and you can't get them out because they'll probably end up with more rights than you would in your own home. But in those days, it was very common. But it was meant, you know, in those days, Christians, when they knew they were Christians, they would, they would put the exclusive. What they do is they will look at that mountain on the door. It'll be on the door. And they'll see it on the doorpost. Oh, this is a Christian home. I, I, I feel safe. Let me not. I could go there. Or if they come across another Christian and they're on the road and say, how do I know if you're a Christian? What they would do is they would actually start drawing the fish, Right? And then the next person would try to complete it. Oh, okay, safe. Oh, praise the Lord, we're brothers. Yes, you know, my family's been killed, blah, blah, blah. Hey, come to my house, you have a place to stay. But here, in, in, in that culture during that time, when they would bring them in the house, they would allow them to stay days, sometimes, you know, for weeks. And how would they know when they always say they're welcome? Well, the better ones during that time, they would always serve coffee to the guests who's staying for a week or a day, whatever, or two days, and they would offer them one cup with the right hand. They keep serving with the right hand. Here's a cup of tea. Here's an espresso. Here's a latte. But when he starts serving, when he serves with his left hand, he got the hint. All right? You used up. The cupboard is empty. Okay? And so that was the culture. So it was very common. Now, this is what we're called to do, but we need to use wisdom as to who we allow in the home. But here the idea is, it's talking about those who are believers during that time. However the Lord leads you, you need to make that decision. Because sometimes we, instead of helping, we enable their problem, right? And they take advantage. The way I look at it, if I can't claim you in taxes, you're not going to stay here too long. <laughs> Just kidding, that's not my heart. <laughs> now, the, the area of angels, and we need to be careful... That when the angel does appear, is not that the angel is appearing to give you a message or a new revelation. We do have the full counsel of the word of God. That's why the writer of Hebrews, when he began to write this letter, he wrote in chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, this is what he wrote. He said, God who at various times and in various ways spoken in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days, the days that we're living in now, spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom? Also, he made the world. So uh, we need to be careful because people will come to you. Well, an angel came to me and spoke to me. Okay. Either crazy. It's not biblical, right? Saying can appear as an angel of light, right? What happened years ago when a little boy, 15 years old, went into the woods, right? Joseph Smith. You have the Latter-day Saints, Mormons, right? I don't know who would listen to a 15-year-old that was in the woods for so long. But anyhow, that's how religion started. We need to be careful when people say, an angel told me. The Lord does not speak to angels. He uses angels, still does. But there's no new revelation. So the idea here is that, you know, we're to give hospitality we, we don't know. Angel might be coming across town. They want to be able to stay in your house. And you'd be surprised at how many people you'll meet in heaven that were angels. Think about it. I'm going to 
man, that's the guy, you know, you, when you get to heaven, oh, that's the guy I cut off on the highway, <laughs> you know. <laughs> say, oh, you you look familiar. Yeah, that was the guy that you cut me off on the highway. <laughs> but you made it here, praise the Lord. <laughs> so be careful. <laughs> so anyway, we need to be mindful of that. Also, we need to be careful that we're not just entertaining angels for the sake of looking for angels, but the idea is to show brotherly love. Let's look at the third exhortation. The third exhortation is in verse 3 is remembering our brethren who are in prison. Remembering our brethren who are in prison. Verse 3 it says, Remember the prisoner as if chained with them, those who are mistreated, since you yourselves are in the body also. The idea is remember. Now, we need to be honest. Without the show of hands, how many of you pray for those who have been persecuted? The common denominator would be among us will be really low because we don't consider those who are being persecuted. They are brothers and sisters. Remember, we have family through the blood of Christ. And they are suffering. They're in prison. They're being persecuted, being mistreated. And we need to remember them. That's the idea. Now, according to Open Door USA, this is a survey that they took around 2021, a couple of years ago. 360 million Christians live in countries where persecution was significant. About 5,600 Christians were murdered. 6,000 were detained and imprisoned. Another 4,000 plus were kidnapped. In addition, more than 5,000 churches and other religious facilities were destroyed. Now, we know the list keeps going on and on and on. And this is why we ought to remember them. I'm sure if you catch some of them, they wouldn't want to be saved. They want to be prayed for. They want you to pray for those that are persecuting them, that they may come to know Jesus Christ. We don't know what persecution is in our country, in the West here. We have no idea. But we have brothers and sisters in Christ who are part of the universal body of Christ around the world that are suffering. We need to keep them in prayer as if we're chained with them. So remember that. We're chained with them, not in the chain of bondage, but in far as suffering because we're one. That's what Paul wrote to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 26. He said, and if one member suffers, some, no, All members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. We are part of the body of Christ. And in the same way, you would have a loved one that would be suffering and needs prayer and needs help. You would pray and you would help them. It's the same for those who are suffering. As we speak, we we have the freedom and the liberty, but that's for now. (laughs) And we're the minority right now. Everything has changed. The climate has changed. It's changed rapidly. But in other parts of the world, we have brothers and sisters who are suffering for Christ. Now, if possible, remember them. If possible, reach out to them. Care for them. Minister to them. And even save them. Believe it or not, I personally know a man who's a Green Beret. And for years, he's part of a ministry. He doesn't identify it. But he goes out with other retired military experts who go out to these countries and they save Christians. There is such a ministry, and there are quite a few of them. Thanks for listening to Running the Race Radio with Pastor Eddie. Pastor Eddie is leading us through a study of Hebrews. The series is called Jesus is Better, and you might be getting a clearer picture of the supremacy of Christ. Jesus represented everything in the Old Testament and fulfilled it so wonderfully. Maybe as you're listening today, you're just now realizing all the different ways that Jesus proved to be the Messiah, to be the one that had been promised and prophesied about. 
Through these scriptures, you're coming to a better understanding of the love, the grace, the sacrifice that Jesus was willing to be for you. It's humbling, isn't it? May these teachings continue to bring you closer to the Lord as you see His heart for you. Running the Race Radio is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel of Milford. If you're in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area, look us up right now. Head on over to runningtheraceradio.com. Once more, that's runningtheraceradio.com. When you get there, click back to the homepage for more information about the church, including directions and service times. We'd love to invite you to come and join us on Sunday mornings. And for those of you who live further away, we're delighted to let you know that on the same website, you can find many other messages from Pastor Eddie. That's at runningtheraceradio.com. Well, thanks for joining us today. We've come to the end of our time together. But we'll be back again next time, right here on Running the Race. See you then.